You guys can go ahead and be seated. Now, I've had a lot of different people come to me with plans during, their li- during my life. Like they, I've been in ministry for 20 years and they've had lots of plans for lots of different things. But one plan that I've never heard from someone, though I've seen the plan acted out kind of thoughtlessly, but I've never had someone come to me with a plan and say, okay, Paul, I have scripted out the next five years of my life and I have meticulously planned out day by day exactly how I'm going to get grossly overweight I'm going to get into unrecoverable debt. I'm going to poison all of the most important relationships in my life. And I'm going to show absolute disregard for the Lord. I've, no one would make a plan like that. No, no one would consciously say, I'm going to destroy my life. But the steps that it takes to get there, we see people taking those steps all the time because so often we... We do something not because we've thought it through, but because we felt like doing it. It's like we've heard the statement made before, like, just do whatever feels right to you. Can I tell you, that is an incredibly destructive thought process to have. It's a thought process that ends really poorly for a lot of fish. You know what I'm, I'm saying? You, you go to church in Florida, this happens at least once a year where the pastor pulls out a fishing pole, right? I'm a little hooked up here. There we go. So for any fish, they see in front of them a piece of food, a nice little worm. They can't quite help themselves but to go and take a little nibble. Now... I'm not going to cast this out because that is like a real tarpon hook on the end there. And I'm not planning on offering any free ear piercings today. But, but there's a worm on the end of the hook. And we know that, you know, the fish gets into it because like, oh, there's just this free shortcut of a little tasty snack that I can have. I won't have to work and hunt anything down. I'm just going to eat this random floating chunk of meat with a little bit of a piece of metal in it. But it looks tasty. And as soon as they think that they got themselves a free meal, they recognize that they've lost their freedom. Now, the tempter, as it's described in Matthew 4, we're going to look at this interaction between Jesus and the tempter or Satan. His methods are very similar. Uh, There's a little bit of bait on the hook and he puts it out in front of people and he's like, oh, well, they didn't take the hook. The the people aren't eating worms today. And we think, okay, if we we say no to temptation once and we kind of push him away, then it must be done. But I want to tell you it's not done because he's been fishing for people for a while. And so what he does is he'll often just change baits. It's like when one thing won't work, he'll try the next thing and say, okay, um, a worm wouldn't do that for you, but, but how about 50 bucks in here? Some of you guys are like, man, if only I sat up front, I would snatch that and ruin Paul's illustration. Next time, sit up front. But the temptation of, you know, oh, don't, it's, it's okay if you miss church. You could finish up that project. You could earn a little bit more money. And if you had more money, then, you know, life and marriage and everything would just be better because money fixes all problems in our life. And so money over God, like go ahead and put God in the backseat, pursue the money. Don't go to church because if you know you go to church, you're probably going to end up giving money anyway. Instead of losing money, gain money and just stay away. And the temptation is there. 
But we often, we see the money, but we don't see the hook of what it's doing. Okay, well, that's just going to pull you further, and you're going to have a little bit of guilt about missing church. And it's been, you've been missing it so consistently that you've said, oh, I can't serve anymore. And since I can't serve anymore, now I have less connection. I'm not using my gifts. I'm not seeing God work through me. And so my encouragement level gets lower and lower, and we see the bait, but we don't see the hook of what it's doing. I'm going to throw one, one, one more bait on here. It's a little bit heavier, but I don't think it'll break my, real, my rod here. The men are confused. The women are mumbling. Is that a Stanley? <laughs> Why are women getting in fistfights in Target over a seasonal Stanley Cup? What in the world has happened to our society? Do you, you know, it is just like it just holds water. <laughs> But why, why, why does our heart get like so mixed up in any random thing, whether it be a sports team or a TV show or a specific brand of cup for a season? It is like it can, it can hold so many of our thoughts. Like we see someone, is that a new colored Stanley? Is that a limited edition? Can I still get one? Do I have to push over a senior citizen to get one at Target? I'll do it. And if you have a misdemeanor on your record because you needed to buy a Stanley cup, I... I'm telling you, we, we get caught up in some of the silliest baits of feeling like, okay, if I just had this, if I just did this, if there was just this one thing, then that will really satisfy my soul. In church, there is only really one thing that will satisfy your soul. There is only one thing that if you seek it first, God promises everything else you need will get added next. And when you put that one thing first, everything else falls into line. But we get tempted in lots of ways. And so often when the church talks about temptation, it's like, okay, like buckle up. Here comes the guilt. Here comes the make you feel. That's not what this is. This is supposed to help you recognize when temptation is coming, I want you to see the hook. That's what this is about. This is not about beating you up for what happened yesterday, last week, or last year. This is about helping you recognize in the future, where is the hook in this? Is this a blessing from God or is this something that the tempter is trying to use to pull me further away from God? If I grab a hold of this, is it going to grab a hold of me? Is it going to pull me somewhere that I know I shouldn't go if I grab onto this? And that's really what today is about. We're going to look at, and this should encourage you, Jesus was tempted in every way is what Hebrews says. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus over the next five weeks, and we're going to look at some things that our society sees it this way, but this is what Scripture teaches. This is the truth, the authority of the Word of God. And we're, we're going to look at what Scripture says, and we're going to contrast it against what our society says. Because as Jesus was teaching, he recognized he needed to defeat some preconceived notions as he taught. And one, one of the instances that we'll get to further in the series, but we're going to use this as sort of a balancing point. He says, you've heard it said, but I tell you now. And as we look at some of these scriptural truths over the next five weeks, I'm gonna tell you, there's some things that you've heard and that you've accepted, and maybe just in small ways you've accepted it, but you've kind of felt the mentality of, yeah, just do whatever feels right. But the word of God does not say do whatever feels right. The word of God says that as you follow me, you'll pick up your cross daily. You will die to yourself daily. As you pursue me, there are parts of you that need to be put to death so that you can experience real life. There is some pain that will be felt as you're removing the hooks and gaining your freedom. 
And so you've heard some things said, but we're going to see what Scripture says about those things, and we're going to follow the teaching of Scripture. If you have your Bible, you can open to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, starting at verse 1. We're going to be studying verses 1 through, through 8 today. Matthew 4, chapter 1, chapter, Matthew 4, chapter 4, I'm bleh, verse 1. There we go. All right. Put the words on the screen as I read them. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, catch this deep theological truth, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's what I see as the temptation and how I I would contextualize it for us. You've heard it said, do what feels right. You've heard it said, do what's feel right. But Jesus would tell you, live on every word of God. You've heard it it said, do what feels right. If you're hungry, which it is an important theological truth, because when you look at the person of Jesus Christ, he was both fully God and he was fully man. He was tempted in every way that you felt. Every way that you've ever felt tempted, Jesus has experienced that in some form. And Part of his temptation that he's experiencing here, he was 40 days without food. And if you're asking yourself, can someone do that? Yes. I still know people who fast 40 days on an annual basis. And so people still do fast for 40 days, but he got to 40 days of fasting and he felt hungry. And the tempter came before him and said, you have the power to just bless yourself, to just take care of yourself. Why don't you just do that? Why don't you just use that? And in fact, you're probably not even the son of God if you don't do this. If you don't do it the way that I tell, tell you to do it, then you probably just lack the power. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread and meet your need yourself. And Jesus responds with scripture, with authority and says, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, one of the things that you should know about yourself, and it's an acrostic that many of you guys have learned before, that you tend to make bad decisions if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. There's an acrostic of halt. Like when you're about to blow a lid, you need to run through the checkpoint. Am, am I angry right now because I'm hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Uh, people fall back into addictions when they're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. People make destructive decisions when they're in one of those categories. And so we should always check ourselves. But I'll tell you, the devil, he is an opportunistic predator. He will look for you at your weakest points. And those are the times where he will really try to apply pressure. And he arrives where Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. And he starts with the most basic temptation. You could turn these stones into bread. If you're the son of God, why don't you just do that? And as I read this passage, man, there's part of me that wants to bristle up and be like, if, if you're the son of God, I mean, this is a really interesting circumstance because Satan in scripture is described as at times he gets called up to the throne room and God has something that God wants to say to him, that he was a a ministering spirit in heaven. He stood there. He's seen the glorified Christ before. And so he knows who Christ is. He just hates him and disdains him. And so there's this subtle jab in here of if you're the, the son of God, if you're the Messiah, if you're the Christ. And I, first of all, as you read this, whenever you see anything happen in scripture where people are 
are minimizing the person of Christ. There should be something in your heart that wells up and says, he deserves all of the glory and the honor. He is not just a good man. He is not just a good teacher. He is fully God, fully man. Colossians says everything has been created by him and through him and for him. And he deserves all of the praise. And so when someone minimizes him and says, if you are, first of all, you recognize what that person has to say is fully a lie. When Satan approaches Jesus and begins to say, if you are, then you'll, you'll just take care of yourself. Jesus says, my, my capacities, my gifts, they're not for me. I, I didn't come here to make bread for myself. I came here to be the bread of life for the world. I didn't come here for my own comfort, but I came here to proclaim the word of God. And what he does becomes a template for all of us that when he experienced temptation, he doesn't argue the point of who he is. He doesn't, he doesn't falter on any view of his own identity, but he just quotes scripture. And can I tell you, believer in Christ, that there is no powerful, no more powerful tool in your arsenal than the sword of the spirit. That when you feel temptation for you to speak and quote the authority of the word of God, it is one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself. That when you're in a situation, especially if it's with a a family member and fearing and anxiety step in and you begin to quote scripture, it will set your family member back on a firm foundation. But if you experience, if your temptation is, you know, falling away from the church and not being here, if you say, okay, that's the temptation that I've been falling into. And so what I need to go to and quote for myself is that I should not forsake the assembly of believers as some are in the habit of doing but we should encourage each other and spur each other on towards good works day in and day out. Like I, beginning to quote scripture that speaks to your point of need will empower you because as soon as you say it, you recognize this is not my thought. This is not my opinion. This is the word of God. And so I stand upon it. If if your temptation has, has to deal with sexual purity, for you to be able to say, let there be no hint of sexual immorality among you. Not even a hint of it. And you quote that out to yourself and you say it out loud. It begins to reshape your thinking because what happens in us is we're like, well, my heart really wants it. And if my heart really wants it, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, Sheryl Crow, 90s, right? If it makes you happy, listen, it might make you happy for a second until you see the hook. And this is what I'm getting at. I don't want to keep any good thing from you, but I want you to experience the best of things. And if you continually just fall towards whatever feels like it might make you happy in the next five minutes, you're going to miss out on blessings that require preparation and work. Blessings that'll show up in a month, in a year, in five years. Blessings that require faithfulness. Greater things than, than what you can just put your hands on in one day. And while our culture will often say, well, you know what? If you feel it, it must be true. Uh, you, you've heard it said that if you really want to know the truth about your identity, just search your feelings. And in our society, there's pressure that is put upon elementary age students to even change their gender based on what they think they might feel. Now, listen, I want to be sensitive to, to those issues, but I also want to make sure that the church understands the truth. 
that each one of you were created, that you were created in God's image, that he says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that he has a plan and a purpose for you. And you do not need to conform to any pattern of the world. And and there is nothing this world has to offer that will really bring you peace. And if there's confusion about who you are, you need to discover who you are in Christ. And you will find joy. You will find peace. You will find healing for the things that have happened to you in your past. But our society begins to implant these thoughts of, oh, if you just, if you looked different, if you were skinnier, if you got plastic surgery, if if your nose looked like, if you had more money, there's nothing exterior that can happen to your person that will fix the interior heart of who you are. And if you just try to follow your heart, follow your heart, follow your heart, scripture says the heart is deceitful above all else. But the word of God is always true. It is always a lamp. It is always a light unto your feet. And when when you feel the drawing to, to find your satisfaction and fulfillment in something out of God's design, I want you to see the hook. Temptation, it always has a hook in it. It always restrains you from a greater freedom that God wants to have for you. You've heard it said, do what feels right. But I tell you, live on every word of God. You should have a passage of scripture that you're living on right now. You should have a passage of scripture that you're like, here's my heartbeat. I hope that if any of you guys got asked the question, what, what is a passage of scripture that is like a heartbeat for Pastor Paul? I would expect that most of you could say Luke 19, 10. He's always rattling on about it. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. That, that, that's our objective as a church to follow the pattern that Christ set, that we seek after people who are far from God so that they would be brought close. I can tell you, there's been lots of passages early in my faith. One of the passages that was like, I had to live on this was don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the building up of others that it may benefit those who listen. And that if you have a point of struggle, the tool on your belt has to be, I have a passage that in this season I can go to and I can speak over my situation. There's authority in the declaration of the word of God. There's authority when I, when I renew my mind by it and run it back through my mind and speak it out. And it helps me clearly see whether there's a hook in a situation or not. Sure, it'll feel better if I, I lose my temper and blow my top and put everybody in their place, but there's a hook in that. I'm gonna damage relationships. I'm gonna hurt my spouse. I'm gonna hurt my kids. I'm gonna hurt my coworkers if I react like that. There's a hook in it. And so instead, I'm gonna be slow to speak and slow to anger, as scripture says. For you, where your fight is right now, what's the passage that you can use as a sword? How, how can you live off of every word of God and what you do? The next temptation I'd say is, you've heard it said, put yourself first. Um, But what Jesus would say is, he would say, don't test the Lord. Let's look at this next passage. In verse five, it says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And if you are the son of God, which once again, You know who he is. He deserves all of the praise and all of the glory. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Did you see that Satan actually quoted scripture to Jesus? He, he quoted scripture to the author of scripture. And he loves to twist. He loves to twist the word of God. I mean, that, God, that was the initial temptation that happened with Adam and Eve. It, it wasn't that he called God a liar, but he just questioned. He said, did God really say? Did he really say that you'd surely die? And just calls it into question. And, and here he quotes scripture and he says, you know, God, God says he's going to protect you. And so here we're at the highest point of the temple and there's, there's crowds, there's people below. And if you throw yourself off, man, will they be talking about it? It's a great shortcut to get what you want. Just go ahead and do this. And, and it'll prove to us that you're really the son of God. Shortcuts, they have hooks in them. So many people in attempt to advance their financial position, they're like, oh, this gamble is a sure thing. Oh, sure, that didn't work out. I just need to double down and then I'll get my money back and then I'll get ahead. And I've seen marriages destroyed by gambling addictions because there's a desire for a shortcut. I've seen lives destroyed because they're like, you know, I know God's plan for us but, and, and his plan for marriage, but I'm just, I'm gonna take a shortcut. Destroys lives. People have an emotional need in their life and really what they should be doing is working on repairing their relationship with a spouse, but they find a shortcut. They get a DM from someone saying, hey, I'm bored, you wanna chat? And there's a hook in it. Shortcuts are not God's ways. When you go back to the life and the ministry of Christ, do you know so often he performs an incredible miracle? It is newsworthy. But what he tells the people in attendance, he says, tell no one about this. I don't need the shortcut. God, I'm gonna do what God has called me to do. I'm gonna live the life and then things are gonna grow as they're supposed to grow. We don't need the shortcut. There's seeds that are planted and those seeds grow slowly. Allow what God does in your life to operate on his timing. Satan's temptation here was, you know, take the shortcut, do, do things my way. You've heard it said, put yourself first, put your, what you want first. You know, if you've ever been somewhere where food gets set out and you look and you're like, you know what? There's only enough food for probably three fourths of everyone who's here. And so I should get mine first because I wanna make sure that if someone doesn't get food, that it's not me. That's a mentality that lives in our culture. Like if, if there's a hurricane coming, your household should have 10 times the amount of toilet paper that it really needs. <laughs> yeah, some of us are guilty in this room. There's a mentality that can live in us of like, take care of your needs first, worry about everyone else second. And can I just remind you that that, that stands in opposition to what scripture teaches us. That stands within a marriage context, your spouse's needs are above your own. 
As a parent, your kids' needs have to be above your own. As a church, our community's needs have to rise up above. Can, can I brag on you guys for just a minute? Yesterday, we had a block party here in Gator Circle, um, and it was awesome. So many people from the community came out. So many of them didn't even know that we, we have a church here. And at service today, I, there might be someone in here who was at, at that last night. I'm not sure. I didn't meet anyone in this service, but last service, before service even started, there was a man who hasn't been to church for years, and he was weeping in the back. He had no clue that we're here. He came to just play tennis with a family member. He ended up getting connected at the block party and God used that to get him back in church. I mean, we could have been refining things for just our service. Like we could be a church that is just inwardly focused and we could have a really great, powerful time here just with us and kind of close our eyes and our ears to the city and the things that are happening around us, the people who are hurting around us, the people who would love to have a church, but they don't know where to go. They don't know where they would be invited. They don't know where they would be loved. And so they just stay outside in their pain. We could stay inside or we could be others focused. And I can tell you, my heartbeat is we're going to continue to move towards this city. We're going to continue to interrupt their lives with invitations so that they can hear the gospel that will change everything for them. There's a temptation to just put ourselves first, to just get yours first. But Jesus would say, serve him only. Serve him only. We can't live our life serving ourselves. We will be void of joy. We will be void of peace. I tell you, when you try to live your life for just yourself, you'll discover the hook really quick. You'll say, living this way, it, it, it has hooked me and trapped me and ensnared me in loneliness. Because when I thought if I propelled myself up onto a pedestal above other people that they would flock to me, you learned that people actually don't like selfishness. And the lie of making myself look good and building myself up in the eyes of others, it actually isolated you. But what, what God wants for his people and what God blesses and what our community genuinely knows that they need is they need people who aren't saying, you know, go and get yours. They, they need people who are saying, I'm gonna serve God and I'm gonna ser serve other people. In, in verse eight, it says, again, the devil took him to a high mountain and he showed him, all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Now, Jesus' objective was to hear on earth was stated in Luke 19.10, for the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. He clarifies the extent of that in Matthew 28.19 when he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Like he, he clarifies the scope of what's gonna happen, that it's gonna go worldwide. Jesus' objective was to seek after the nations. And so Satan brings Jesus to a point where he can see and he gets this vision of all of the nations and all of their splendor. And Satan says, here's the perfect shortcut. You bow down and worship me and I will give you all of these things. I will make the nations follow you. Just bow down and worship me. Jesus says, no, we, we serve God only. And your ways are not his ways. There, there are shortcuts that maybe you've 
considered taking in your life. Or maybe you even have one in front of you right now. Band, you guys can make your way up. I'm going to begin to close this out. So often the temptation that is presented in front of us, it looks like exactly what God told us we're supposed to have. But when we see it, we know this is not the way that I'm supposed to have it. And when that alarm bell goes off in your head, you should recognize this temptation, that's not the way that God wants me to have it. So I know that there's a hook hidden in that. I know that if I grab a hold of the right thing that God wants for me, but it's the wrong time or it's the wrong way to get it, I know I'm going to find a hook in my hand. And I know once that hook is there, it's going to be harder for me to take hold of all of the things that God really wants for me. You know, one of the, the evidence pieces that you should consider when you're facing temptation and you're facing struggle is that it means that you're actually on a right path. When you recognize there's a temptation that's put in front of me and, and there's opposition that's trying to pull me away from God's will for my life, that's actually kind of an encouraging note because Satan doesn't fight for what he already has. Like if he already has something, he doesn't have to battle to keep it. He just keeps it all hooked up and trapped and ensnared where it is. It can rest there. But if you recognize like your, your life is on a trajectory to accomplish something, but there's a temptation that comes in the way that you could get hooked into, you need to recognize like my life is meaningful. My life has purpose. My marriage is painting a story for my kids and my grandchildren and my neighbors. Like my career is going to make a difference in the lives of people. If I stay on this path and I don't give in to these temptations, God is going to do something through me. Temptation is just an evidence that you're beginning to live your life the right way. You will experience temptation no matter how good you are. Don't forget the key part of this passage. Jesus himself was feeling tempted. But his response to those temptations was, I can see the hook. And each time that he experienced temptation, he answered to it with scripture. And so these are are two takeaways for you. One, I want you to be able to, when you see the temptation, I want there to be an alarm bell that goes off in your head that says, there's a hook inside of that. And when you recognize that there's a hook inside of it, I want you to have a passage that you can go to and quote, out loud to give yourself strength to walk away from that bait. So maybe today as we took communion and we invited God to search us and know us, you knew this is the area where you've been struggling. Don't just recognize that you've been struggled in it, struggling in it. Change directions. Find a verse that speaks to the way that we should live and fight against that. Memorize it. Share, share that verse with someone that, that you're close to. Say, hey, I'm memorizing this verse because I'm going to be strong in my fights, in my spiritual battles. I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to take that hook anymore. And then begin to practice. When, when the temptation comes, no, that, that's a hook. And here's the word that God's given me to fight it. Here's the sword of the Spirit at work in my life. Because God intends you to be free. God intends you to have joy. God intends you to have peace. 
And you won't find any of those things letting temptation seize you. So let's choose freedom, church. Let me pray for you. Father, we are thankful for the example that Jesus set of using the authority of the word of God to combat temptation. And we've seen so many concepts of how to live from our culture. But give us the strength to live out the word of God in our life. We know those who love Jesus follow his commands, so give us the strength to follow them. And would you impress on our heart the step that we need to take, the change that we need to apply so that we can best live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing?